for I will deliver you, says the Lord. And then put, and then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said, I have put my words in your mouth. And this day I've set you over nations, over kingdoms. Now look at, now if you're, if it's on the screen, I want you to, I want you to take note of this. To root out, pull down, destroy and throw down, to build and plant. Now, that's the office of a, of a prophet. Do you all know that? Now, Mary, Franz, Mary Francis is a prophet. And we kind of have an idea in the body of Christ that every prophet is a cookie cutter. In it, and that simply is not true. Within every office, there is areas of um, influence and there is degrees of being, a, of being a prophet or even being a pastor or being a teacher. In other words, there's no cookie. They're like, for, like mothers. There's no, everybody that's a mother looks exactly the same. It's, it's not true. So because of that, I know, and I'm saying this to you because I want, I'm going to, I hope to get enough people in this church to start understanding something. I stand in three offices. I'm not just a pastor and I'm not a pastor teacher. I actually stand in the office of prophet, pastor, teacher. Now, the, the problem with that is that is a very difficult mix. For instance, if you come out of a church where the person is a, is a, is a teacher, then you walk in a church where he's an evangelist pastor, he don't look anything like the last guy. Don't act like him or anything. And then you walk into a church where the, where the pastor is a prophet and a pastor and a teacher. He doesn't look anything like any of the other ones. So for years, I struggled with, with my call because I like teacher. I'm okay with pastor and I'm not necessarily okay with prophet. And the reason is, is not that I'm not a, I don't like it. It's just that it's extremely misunderstood. Now, here's the reason why. Because I don't have a book of sermons. A sermon to me. Now, this is a pastor teacher. When you walk in a church where the guy's a pastor teacher, I'm going to tell you he's got his Thanksgiving sermon for next year. It's written out and in a file, and he pulls it out and preaches it. I ha- to me, I have a file, but every sermon I preached before this is like eating stale bread or a Coke that's been sitting on the counter for a month. I pick it up. It makes no sense to me. There's no life in it. I can't, I can't resurrect that sermon to save my life. So one of the things that I struggled with, and I'm good with it, I get every sermon from prayer. Now, I did not say I didn't study. I didn't say I didn't go get Andrew's book or I didn't get uh, Rick Renner's book and read and study. But I'm telling you, I get all my sermons from prayer. And if I don't, uh, you know it because you'll leave on Sunday and go, that was flat. That was a dud. And I'll go, yeah, that was a bad. So I had to learn the hard way. And so because of that, my time with God becomes my most valued possession because I've had times on Saturday night, I still don't know what I'm preaching on. And you may think, 
Come on, Pastor. I mean, there's a whole Bible there. There is a whole Bible, and I can pick it up and just about preach from anything in it. But not everything is what the Lord is saying. Now, let's go back to prophet. When he says do something, I don't always want to. I don't, I don't, I, okay, there's a, I, I, I'm pastor, but I'm also Daryl. I like Tim to like me. I like Paul to like me. I like, you know, Rosa to like me. I want, so there's a human side to all of us. And then there's that godly side that says, the spirit of God is dealing with me to do something. And I'm like, and I won't, I'll tell you this, I don't always agree either. Thank you all for the odds and this. In other words, I already know that I'm fixing to pick a fight. I, I mean, I'll go, okay, God, I guess that'll go over like a lead balloon. And so... Um, In the past, I've neglected to obey him in that office. And Brother Hagen did too. And Brother Hagen ended up in the hospital. And Jesus walked in the hospital, literally walked right in the hospital, pulled up a chair and sat down. He said, when are you going to do something with the prophet's office? Needs? See, when you know things and you know you know things, it's a little uncomfortable Especially when you're dealing with something that you got people in here that are, when they're doing wrong, there's enough pride they don't want to be told they're doing anything wrong. And you understand that's a, that's the nature of the beast. And when you're, you know, when y'all when you were when y'all had children, you had to take them to the woodshed every once in a while, and and God will take you to the woodshed. Now I know you know we get in this judgment thing. So I'm going to say something to you about sin, and then we're going to get into my sermon. If the body of Christ, and I'm not talking about sinners, I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole, doesn't change, God's going to take his hand off this nation. Do you all understand that? That's hard to hear. And and go back in the book of Revelation and, and look at Jesus talking to churches. And he's pretty strong with them. And he has some words for this one. Because everything we do, he don't like it. Okay, that doesn't mean that every Sunday needs to be hellfire. Okay, I, you get it, I get it. Nobody likes that. Every, in the book of Revelation, every time he got on to somebody, he said, I like this, I like this, I can't stand that. Okay, he's not being, but there is a toughness to him to go, you're, you're going to change. Now, there are areas of my life, and I know he's put his hand on me and said, you're not paying attention to me in this. You, you change, change that now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know that. I know that about his personality. I know that about his character. He, he doesn't like what's going on in America as far as the looseness of his church. He don't like it. He don't, he don't like it. I'm going to tell you right now. Now, it, now, that didn't mean he don't love us. But he also doesn't like you, you just will pray about it. No, you're going to lift your voice and say something. 
And we don't, we, all of us don't necessarily like to sit around dinner table and go, I don't agree with you. Now, there are sermons that he'll say, I want you to preach this. So I'm going to say this and then we're going to change. Not every sermon I preach is for you. It might just be five people in this room. And you walk out and go, I don't got nothing out of that. Oh, it wasn't for you. <laughs> I'm trying to help you a little bit with, the, with that office. Because, you know, I see people running around going, prophet so-and-so. You'll never see me with a card that says prophet. That's just stupid. Anyway, shouldn't say stupid, but. Because it's not something that you run around bragging about. It's a, it, is, it is not a comfortable place because it is extremely misunderstood. So I'm not like Mary Fran, but I will tell you all this. There, and it don't happen all the time, so don't get scared. I'll be standing right here in this room, and I'll look up in the room, and I'll see a woman screaming at her husband wow. in the kitchen. I don't want to see you screaming at your husband in the kitchen. And I don't do a Mary Fran and say, thus says the Lord, come over here, sweetheart. You need to stop that. I don't do that. I don't never do that. But I'll stand up right there and you'll see me change the whole sermon and go, you know what? If you stand in the house and scream at your husband, you need this scripture, you know, love is patient, love is kind. And, 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 I, and they know and I know. And then I get to go back to my sermon. Well, y'all out there, did you go home? Yeah. <laughs> And so, and then there's stuff that I preach and I don't know what you did. I don't even know who it is. So when you're leaving, don't say, oh, you were talking right to me. I don't know that <laughs> until you just told me. <laughs> but I thank God that he uses me and he uses his church. And, and I've had him tell me, I want you to go talk to so-and-so. I want you to go talk to so-and-so. I want you to go do so-and-so. And I do that. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm more afraid of God than I am you, and um, I like my job. And I, and I realize that if I don't obey him in that, then I am going to suffer for it. I need to do what he's calling me to do. I, and so because of that, I try to temper that when I, whenever I step in, in that office and I start dealing with a subject. And you'll, see, you'll hear baby Christians on Facebook, start crying. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not God. So there, there's just subjects that people need to hear or things they need to hear, not from the pastor, not from the Bible, but from a prophet to you as a person. Amen. Now, the apostle is, is interested in the message and a prophet is interested in the man. Amen. And that's how you'll know the difference. Mm -hmm. See, when someone's an apostle, the biggest thing in their life is getting the message out. Yeah. Now, see, I work closely with Kevin and Leslie. They are very interested in getting the message of the gospel all through Russia. Right. Yeah. But when I walk in the room... I'm more interested in the, in the pastors and the evangelists' lives than I am their preaching. Does that make sense? And so 
That's, that's how God uses me. So in the Bible, you'll always see the apostle and the prophet working together. They're not the same office. And you got to have both of them. So having said that, now you understand that there are times when I will get up and preach and I'll deal with the person. And I'll say, well, this needs to change. And it's more than a sermon out of the Bible like a pastor. It's most of the things that I preach come out of my prayer time. Even though they come out of the Bible, they're coming out of a prayer time. I'm praying it up, praying it up, praying it up, and then I get pregnant with it. I know that sounds like a crazy term. And I will walk around carrying this message all the way to Sunday. And when I deliver it, I'm wore out. And I take Monday off because I'm, I'm, I'm beat. And come Tuesday, the Spirit of God will start talking to me about what he wants me to do. Now, I've had pastor friends ask me about, well, you know, the Lord could tell you all of this a year ahead of time. He could. But he doesn't. Not me. And so anyway, it was funny. One day, um, I had my whole sermon written on a napkin. And I was sitting with a pastor who has five pieces of paper. And he goes, Morgan gets all his sermons off a napkin. I said, no, I don't get my sermon off the napkin. I get them from God. You get yours off a piece of paper. Anyway, you're going to find out that every office always has something to say about the other office. The evangelist is, you pastors, you just care about discipleship. What in the world is going to hell? And the pastor goes, yes. And after you get them saved, you'll leave them laying in the mud for us, you know. And the prophet comes along and says, and they're all living like hell. And the apostle says, yeah, but we're going to need to reach the whole planet. And the teacher says, no, they need line upon line of teaching." And it's funny because it's obvious when you get around different gifts who they are because mine is the gift. It's funny because I've never seen, I really do believe mine's the gift. And I know all the other ministers are the same way. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, a, a, a prophet, anybody be a prophet. But I mean the apostle. <laughs> Nations and the world. And I go, yeah, but all your pastors are living like hell. <laughs> Does this make sense to y'all? So if you don't understand my mix, you'll, you'll walk in here and go, Man, he's different. And what's funny is people go and say, well, you know, Joel Osteen doesn't do it that way. And I go, yeah, I know he doesn't. Why don't you move to Houston? (laughs) In other words, I'm trying to tell you that God did not mess up. And there's more than just apostle, 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 and pastor, 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 and teacher, teacher, teacher. You understand? Okay, and then there's people who are very uncomfortable with that. That's fine. That's not my business. Amen. So now get your Bible. Go to First Timothy. Does that help you a little tiny bit? Now what I'm doing is I'm I'm sticking my neck out and explaining myself for this reason. 
There are some Sundays, they're not like anything else. And you walk out and go, well, that was tough. Yeah, it was. To suck it up and come back to church. <laughs> you and me both are glad it's over with. Amen. I'm being serious with y'all. I just Okay. All right. First Timothy six twelve. Father God, as I read getting the word of God, let's I'm gonna ask you for the anointing to share this the way you want me to say it. Verse 11, you, old man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on to eternal life, which you were all called and had confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, one of the things that the Spirit of God started dealing with me lately about is the fact that Christians have never embraced the fact you are in a fight. One more time, you're in a fight. And, 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 and we, don't, we don't necessarily like to hear that we're in a fight, but we are in a fight. Now, we're not fighting the devil. Jesus defeated him, and he's already defeated. But you're fighting a good fight of faith, but there is a fight going on. The moment you decide you're going to walk with God and obey God, you are going to come into opposition. There's a spirit realm that is going to do its best to stop you from moving forward. In other words, is your faith genuine? Now, I didn't say God was doing it. I said the devil's doing it, and God's not sending the devil to do it. Now, we're living in two realms. We live in a natural realm, and we live in a spiritual realm. And it seems like whenever something starts happening, people sit back and fall apart because you don't understand the reason we sent you to boot camp, the reason you got a rifle, the reason you got a knife, the reason you got hand grenades, the reason you got a tank, the reason you got a machine gun, is they're sending you to Afghanistan. You're going to a fight. The reason you walk into church, the reason you learn to pray in the spirit, the reason you have a Bible, the reason you have family in a church, you are going into a fight. There's a devil. He wants you dead. He wants you to shut up. He wants you out of the picture. And he wants you in hell. He wants your family in hell and everything else. And you can't sit around like Ozzy and Harry and go, what's wrong? Because you're, you're, you're in denial that you live in a fallen world. You live in a bad, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Where do you think David was talking about? He's talking about the earth that we live in. There's a day coming. Jesus will be, come back. The lion will lay down with the lamb. He's throwing Satan into hell. But it's not today and it's probably not tomorrow. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you need to understand you're entering into a fight. Now, I didn't say that you're fighting the devil. You're fighting the good fight, good fight, good fight of faith. That means you need to put on the armor of God. You need to put the word in your mouth. You need to pray up and you need to walk with God and you need to walk in authority because you're in a fight. All right. Colossians 2, 15. 
real fast, and maybe I'll just pop it on the screen. Having disarmed principality power, he made a public spectacle of them trial. So Jesus already defeated the devil. Satan's defeated, but he is contending with you. He is, content- he is in the earth. He's defeated. He cannot stop you. He cannot hinder you. Only person that will give him that permission is you. You're the only one that lays down and goes, oh, my God, the devil. Okay. Now, if you let him have you, well, he'll take your mind, he'll take your body, and he'll take over. So it's up to you to be obedient to the word of God and walk in the spirit. It's up to you. All right. Now, having said that, Ephesians 6, 10. Go over there and let's dive into another scripture. Ephesians, and you're going to see this theme is running through the Bible. 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. Why? Because you're in a fight. Be what? Not weak. It's up to you to choose to be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, but in the Lord. That means that there's opportunity for you to wimp. Oh, I'm just so tired. I just wish Jesus would help me. I just, well, you just need to slap yourself upside your head. Now, I, now, I'm not saying that, you, that you're to run around all the time. Part of your fight might be to count it on joy. I'm going to count it on joy no matter how I feel right now. I'm going to count it on joy. That just very well may be the fight you're in today. I'm not going to give in to my emotions. I'm going to count it all joy. I cast my care on the Lord. I refuse to worry about anything. In Jesus' name. And you're, you're literally putting up a fight. Because the devil's after your mind. He's, don't, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to sleep. Trust God. And I'll wake up tomorrow morning. Thank you, Jesus. And then I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to dance around a little bit. And then I'm going to give him glory. You understand? I'm fighting a good fight called faith. You can't have my mind. And by the way, you can't have my kids either. Jesus' name. You've got to learn you're in a fight. Now, the first thing he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of mind. Put on. Who puts it on? You do. If you don't put it on, it ain't on. The armor of God. So you'll stand against the wiles of what? He's out there and he's wily coyote and he has, he, he has stuff. He has stuff he wants to do in your life and you have to resist him. Part of the fight. All right, let's move on. For you're not wrestling, 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 wrestling. You're wrestling. You're in a wrestling match. With life, with stuff. You need to come out on top. But, but you've got to understand that is a fight word. Now, everybody wants to just come to church, sing kumbaya, kumbaya, come by. He's already came by you, honey. You just missed him. Kumbaya, my Lord, and then go home and eat your cheesecake, and then you're done for the week with your Christianity. I'm sorry, it just don't work that way. Because the devil don't take a day off, and you shouldn't either. All right, so, so you, are, you are in a wrestling match. Now, I'm saying this to give you comfort because the devil likes to tell you, you're weird. Nobody understands what you're going through. 
Poor baby. Pastor don't know. He don't understand. He never had it as bad as you. You got it bad. And I wouldn't dare tell anybody and turn in a praise report or a prayer request because nobody understands how bad you got it. I got news for you, darling. We all got the same problems. Someone, you walk out and say, he was preaching to me. I got it out of my life. (laughs) You think I don't wrestle? I want to tell you a little secret. I have bigger devils than you do. Because if he can take me out, he'd take a church out. He just takes you out. He just takes your husband, your wife, and Jose. Okay. But you understand that? Because so, so, so I found out that the higher you go in God, the bigger the devils get. So if you think you've been wrestling something, you need to pray for me. Because when you got one little wimpy devil, I got 10 over there trying to take me down. I wake up in the morning and go, Hallelujah! What a fight! <laughs> and I used to run from it. I used to be so, what is Jesus? I learned that. You're, rest, you're not wrestling flesh and blood, so it's not your husband, not your wife. It's not the other people in the church. But against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age, that means there really, really is devils, and they're really, really out there. And, he's, and, and, wicked, and wickedness in heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God, so you'll be able to stand, having done all to stand, 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 stand. Even though that's not a fight term, it is. I ain't sitting down and I ain't moving. No, I'm not moving off this. I'm standing, this is where I'm, no, I'm not getting off this. I'm not moving off, you're not making me. Now, now I'm gonna, we're gonna go down and I'm gonna show you from the Bible. And I'm going to make a statement before we get going. Every time God has a greater place for you, you're about to enter a battle. Because Satan's going to do his power. Everything in his power to stop you. Before every victory, you're, at, you're, going, you're, going, you're going to get in a fight. <laughs> now, some of y'all are going, I must have a victory coming around a corner. God. Why would he fight with you? I mean, if you are nothing, why would he bother you? If you have nothing, why would he bother you? He just told you you are somebody. He just told you God's got greater. That's why you are in a fight. Boy, I'm no. God called Moses. Minding his own business on the backside of a desert. God called him to a fight. I have called you. Yay, I'm called. What do you want me to do? I want you to go down and talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Take that stick with you. Because I'm sending you to a fight. And he did. God sent him into a fight. Now, I'm going to tell you all a story right now. When I had a youth group at Tom Copeland's church, now, when I first took it, Melanie was in it. She was a little old girl then, just a little old girl, had a horse named Belle. (laughs) Used to get her feed from the feed store right over here near the post office anyway. When I took that youth group, there was kids in there who weren't Christian at all. They were messed up kids. And I went to the Lord one day and I was complaining because that's not what I thought I was going out to preach the gospel. I didn't know you were going to give me a bunch of crazy kids <laughs> who needed help. 
And I was complaining about it. I was. And one day, I, I'm in the parking lot, and I'm the maintenance man at apartment complex in Fern Park. And I'm standing there looking at my pad, fixing to go to another apartment and do some maintenance work. And I heard someone walk up behind me. And the parking lot had gotten so old that the asphalt had, had like pea gravel on it. You know, it's not sand, but look. And you could, when someone's walking across, you hear crunch, crunch, crunch. And, I, and I'm standing there, and I heard someone coming up behind me. And I, I, I turned to see who it was, and there's nobody there. I looked over here, and, and I thought, well, I, know, I know someone walked up. And all of a sudden, my shoulders went, hmm? And someone grabbed me and held me up close. So I'm standing there with a pad, and I go, hmm? And the Lord walked up beside me, put his arms around me, and he said, I sent you here because I have a problem here. And I sent you because I believe you can do something about it. And when you fix it, I have another place for you to go. That would be word of life. (laughs) And I found out that he doesn't send you where everybody loves the Lord. (laughs) He sends you where they're crazy. It's true. And so people come in and go, there's problems in this church. Yeah. (laughs) And it increased when you came in. What do you think there is? I mean, there's people. I mean, are you called here? Well, then you're going to get down. You're going to get dirty. You're going to, you're going to, take, you're going to, go, you're going to wash feet. You're going to start working with people that are a little, they're carnal. They fight. They make noise. They talk about each other. They gossip. They have issues. It's called church. But everywhere God sends you, there will be a problem there, or he wouldn't need you. So if you came here to go to work, you walked into problems. But the reason he called you is because he believes you can do something about it. And when you get fixed, when you get that fixed, I got news, he got a bigger set. Because after first grade, you're going to second. You're going to get a bigger mess the second time. Do y'all see that? So you get over this idea of, of the millennial reign. We're not in that yet. I know you're wanting to minister there, but right now you're here, okay? All right, I didn't think you'd like that at all. So anyway, Moses, God sent him to a fight. When Moses was done, Joshua took over. What did God send Joshua to do? Fight. Send him in the promised land and sent him into a fight. To take the promised land. Took three million people, crossed the Jordan River, and an angel met him, a warring angel, and said, your first day is going to be Jericho. And he's going to say, well, the walls, how are we going to get through it? He said, you're going to shout them down, baby. He said, but see, every time you see an angel, there's always a, a sword on him. There's, there's all, they're all warring. They're not all, but... But, but they're war, warring angels. Why would an angel need to be a warring angel? 
Because there's devils. Do y'all understand this? So Joshua is a type of Jesus. The, the, the Red Sea is a type of the blood of Jesus. The, there's, there's the phase of bondage. Then there's the land of not enough and the land of more than enough. And for you to come out of bondage is going to be a fight. For you to get through the desert is going to be a fight. And when you get over the Jordan River, there's going to be a fight. I hope you're. I hope I'm helping you a little bit. See, we're talking about prayer, but you didn't know we were talking about prayer. See, when you're entering into the when you're entering into prayer, you are taking up the full armor of God. That is prayer armor. Why do you need a breastplate of righteousness? Because you're going to walk up to a devil who's going to accuse you of immorality and tell you you're not fit for the fight. Who do you think you are to come in here and attack me? And he needs to run into a shield, not the shield of faith, but a breastplate of righteousness, not your own, but Jesus's. If you don't know about your righteousness, you will lose the prayer fight. If you don't have the sword, you'll lose the fight. If you don't have the shield of faith, you're going to lose the fight. If you don't have your mind wrapped up in the gospel and salvation and keep your mind straight, you're going to lose the fight. And if you don't put on some shoes, the preparation of getting the gospel out, you're going to lose the fight. You got to have the full armor, not whatever piece you like. It's prayer armor. And the, and the battle is primarily in the spirit realm in your prayer life. You win or lose on your knees before you get up. You lose the prayer fight, you lose the fight of life. Well, Pastor, I, I really just thought if I sat in church... You're not the only one that thinks that. Someone didn't have their armor on when they came in tonight. Amen. Then Jacob. God calls Jacob. An angel comes up and they get in a fight. Now, you ever think about a man whipping an angel? I'm going to say something to you and this will blow your mind. You can fight with God and win. Have you ever disobeyed him? You won that fight. Even though he was wrestling with you over it. I'm I'm just, just, just take a poll. Have you ever had him tell you to do something you didn't, you know, oh, no. And, and, and a week later, you're still thinking about it. And you're going, Lord, is this you? And a month later, you're going, is this you? And, and a year later, you're going, is this you? <laughs> I, I'm doing good right now, but I, but I want to ask you, how many of y'all have ever actually wrestled with the will of God? I am telling you, I have. I have so wrestled with him. You know, there's this idea that everything's going to be fun. No, it's not. I'm not from Florida. Where I'm from is Four Seasons and Brunswick Stew and and Pecan Pie 
and oak trees and pine trees and rolling hills. And it actually, you use a flannel shirt in the fall. Come on, y'all. Florida. No. <laughs> Not Florida. Now you have to, you know, I'm a missionary to the natives. The first native I met was Lisa, and I went, hey, some of these natives are looking pretty good. <laughs> but I've wrestled with God. I'm going to tell you something. We were just talking about a while ago, the prophet's office. I've wrestled with, with whether I'm going to preach that or not. I've wrestled with God. I've had sermons that he told me to preach. I didn't. I, put a, I, I wrote them out and stuck them in a file and walked away. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I'm miserable until I do. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. I just, I'm going to go quick because you've heard it, but some of you may not have. I had an idea of ministry that, that God had got messed me. It was a fantasy. It wasn't reality. A lot of what you think is God is a fantasy. Cinderella. Your marriage is Cinderella. Hey, excuse me, because that, that dude's going to put that stud up, and he's going to put him on a plow, and you're going in the kitchen and cook make biscuits. So I'm going to tell you, you can have all the Cinderella you want, but you, you're fixing to mop floors and clean and, and, and bathe kids, and he's fixing to get behind a mule on the lower 40. And Listen, it's called work. It's called life. You can live in a fantasy if you want to, but just get married and wait about the... I always tell people, I say, just, just let me counsel you after you get married. Because you're going to want to talk to me about two weeks after you get married. When you go in there and go, I miss God. I said, you both did. Now, you're married. Now, let's go. We all miss God, you know. <laughs> so, so, having said that, when I worked with Tom as a youth pastor, I went through a lot of trouble in my marriage. I, and then the Lord said, you know, and, and I, I got a call for you, and I, and I went to work. I got a job. I was miserable. But I was working, reading my Bible, go to church. I was a miserable Christian, miserable Christian. He said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. I said, no. I don't know what you, you might send me to India. I don't want to go to India. You might ask me to pastor God. That would be terrible. I don't want to do it. And I'm going to tell you, I think, how long, Lisa, do you think it lasted? About a year? Easy year. What am I doing? I'm wrestling with God. You ever wrestle with your flesh? I told you not to eat that piece of pie. I told you not to eat the second one either. <laughs> Lord, where did Lisa hide that chocolate? Where did she hide that chocolate, Jesus? Come on, come on. You know, the Lord told you not to say something to that guy, and don't say nothing to him, don't say nothing to him, don't say nothing to him. You did it anyway. <laughs> Heavenly Father, please again, I know I should have shut my mouth. I did, I did. You're in a fight. You're in a fight with your, with your own flesh and your own soul. You're in a fight. Every day. Every single day, guys. This is pretty good. David got anointed to be king. He's a shepherd boy. Takes some cheese to the battle. He's in a fight with a, with a giant. And when he got through whipping the giant, 
He went over there and took his prized possession, Saul's daughter, and he got a fight with his father-in-law. And they kicked him out, and he's the king hiding in the wilderness. The anointing put him in a fight. If you've got a call on your life, there's something God wants you to do, you're going to go into a fight. And your God's going to find out what you are made out of. And I'm going to say this. It will not be easy and it will not be fun. So you can stop crying now. Why do you think it says count it joy? Because it's not. It's you've got to count it joy. It ain't joy, baby. It's listen, it might be a fruit in you, but it ain't coming up. You're gonna have to own purpose. Get up, get in church, sing and worship God, and make your mind shut up, settle down. I'm counting it all joy. And it may you it won't be if if you don't feel like it, then do it anyway. That's, are y'all out there, did you go home? This is Christianity 101. And your relatives. Did Jesus have problems with his relatives? The first thing he did, the first, his mother. He's out obeying his father. And here comes Mary, the mother of God. Your mama. Wants to talk to you. Listen, listen. In, you're going to have trouble in your house. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yeah. I just want them not to get saved. So does God. That's why he leaves you in there. <laughs> this little light of mine. You sang it. Now go burn, baby, burn. I'm doing a pretty decent job. I think you guys got in getting this. Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River and heads to his own home church, and they tried to kill him. I'm going to say something to everybody in this church. If everybody that comes to this church likes me, I don't know God. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you don't make them glad or mad, God doesn't speak through you. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. It's not popular today to preach on living right. It's real not popular. And you know what? Forgive me for standing in front of this church and asking you why you ain't amening. Because by God, I know why you ain't amening. I just climbed all over your toes and up the side of your backside. And, and I'm over there fussing at you because you ain't amen and you bleeding to death by there. I mean, I, <laughs> hey, that's, that's just, brother, I, I love Brother Hagin. And he told the story. He took a church. He said every Sunday morning, it felt like that sermon, bounce, like a ball bouncing off the back wall, hit him in the face. He said every Sunday, he said, God, I'm going to back my pickup truck up to the back door and leave and and if it hadn't, you had to call me supernaturally. 
I'd walk out of this church and just never tell them where I went. I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's congregations in this nation. They're just meeting. God's interested in those people. He sends pastors. And, and what's 3,000 pastors, 3,500 pastors a year quit. Because they can't handle the people. They, they get treated a little bit bad and... I, I'm just meaner than you is the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's true. You shall know the truth, the truth will make you mad. All right. <laughs> Go to 1 Corinthians 12. Say, I think there's going to be a fight. There is going to be a fight. <laughs> Mark Hankins said one time, he says he had an older brother and a younger brother, and he said every day he woke up, he knew there was going to be a fight. <laughs> every day he knew there was going to be a fight. Yeah. Let's look at this. This is Paul, and I know that Paul was a very loving, <laughs> tender, kind man. Probably was. But I got 11.22 down here. Let me see where I'm going with that. 11.22. Nah, nah, that's 1 Corinthians. That's not right. Well, I think it's 12. Let me go to 12. Let me see if I'm 12. I, it might be 2 Corinthians, so please forgive me because, you know, as perfect as I am. Yeah, it's, it's 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry. 11.22. Look at this. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak like a fool. I am more. In labors, what? More abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. What? Is he in the will of God? Or he must have missed God. Is he in the will of God? Are you sure he's in the will of God? Why are you not getting beat? <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I got stoned once. <laughs> BC. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day in the deep. I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, perils in toil, sleeplessness often, hunger and thirst, fasting. What a bad confession. In cold nakedness, besides other thing, what comes on me daily, my deep concern for the church, who's weak, I'm not weak, who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation. If I'm going to boast, I'll boast in the what concerns my infirmity. Change that to the word weakness. The God and the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Arterius the king was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. I wonder if he was in the will of God. Poor man. She couldn't have been. Jesus loves him. This I know. Going off singing Kumbaya down in some city and somebody got mad at him. I just couldn't have been God. Maybe he needed to have a, you know, a little leadership. Y'all laughing. He didn't do anything wrong. 
I want to know what we're doing wrong. I was let down in a basket through a window in a wall and escaped in his hand. Chapter 12, verse 1. It's doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I'll come to visions, revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man. He's talking about himself. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up to paradise. Heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful to man to utter. There, see, that, you know what, see that scripture right there? You know what that means? There's things you hear in heaven. There is not a word in the English language to explain it. When I came back from heaven, I said that I understand that scripture. There is no words in our language to describe it. You couldn't if you wanted to. It'd be like trying to explain a Rolls Royce to an Eskimo. There is no word in his language other than ice, dog, Seal, whale, cold. He has, no, he has no language to understand car, much less Rolls Royce. Do y'all see that? So there is no, there's no English words to explain heaven. You just got to go. Nor the presence of God. Let's move on. Of such a one I'll boast, yet of myself I'll not boast, except in my weaknesses. For though I might desire to boast, I'll not be a fool. I'll speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone think more think, think of me above what he sees or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted. Now look at this. Above measure, by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. Now I'm going to ask you a trick question. Who gave him the thorn in the flesh? No. Why would God give him a revelation and then send the devil to stop him? Denominational Christianity has no idea what this means. I'm fixing to explain it to you. Now let's, let's, let's read it again because I'm going to show you something in here. And lest I should be exalted above measure, did God, why did Jesus give Paul a revelation to set people free? To go preach it, right? So what is the thorn in the flesh? It's a devil to stop him. It's not eye disease. It's not a, it's not a physical sickness. So he said, now, you know how I know that? Because he said it. If people would just read, now look at it again. And lest I should be exalted above measure and get the gospel out. By the abundance of revelations that God gave to me, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. By who? The devil. A messenger of who? Who sent, who sent the trouble? To buffet me? Lest I be exalted above measure. God's not trying to keep him humble. God's the one that gave him the revelation. Now let's back up for a minute. Do you think I have a revelation from God? Do you think Satan's ever trying to stop me? You better bet your sweet bippy has. And the longer you walk with God and the more you understand, you're going to enter fights and, and, and it's not you. You are not the problem. But the devil will turn you in on yourself. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did Paul do wrong? Nothing. Come on, I'm preaching good was sent to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, concerning this thing, I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Look at verse 9. 
And he said, no, Paul, I want you to suffer, baby, suffer. Is that what he said? No. He said, I went to God and said, I want you to, I want the trouble to end. So he said, my grace is sufficient. Now I'm going to explain that. The ability I put in you, you are more than a conqueror. The greater one's in you. You got my name, shut up. You got a problem, do something about it, Paul. And quit coming to me and whining that the devil's after you, bless his holy name. He didn't say, no, I'm not going to help you. He said, I already helped you. Now you need to face the music and get out there and go do what I told you to do. So Paul says, I will boast in my weakness. In other words, when I'm weak, the greater one in me is going to put me over. They killed him. He got up and went in the city. They got in a boat wreck. He came out of it through prayer, got spit by a snake, got up and preached the gospel. Publius got born again, took him off to Rome. Do you understand? He conquered every problem he ran into. Paul was saying, I don't want to have any trouble. And Jesus said, I can't answer that. All right, now you listen to me. He cannot stop The world you're in. You're in the world. You're in a bad world. You're in that there's bad people. They're mean and ugly and all blah, 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 blah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That would be you. But the Lord delivers them out of some. How many? All. That's called fight. Do y'all understand this? All right. If there's one earmark to this church, and I'm going to brag on this church, is we've taught you how to fight the good fight of faith, how to walk by faith, how to live in victory, but you have to do it. If not, I'm just up here just making noise. Come on, y'all. You think I've never been through anything? Are you serious? I'd like to tell you all about some of it, but I can't. Because it's family. <laughs> or old family. You understand? I've been through some stuff. I've been through some stuff in this church. But I didn't know what to do at first. I, I had, I, I, I didn't, you know, I thought I was, I really thought I was wrestling flesh and blood. And I did. When people attacked me, I fought them. And, and, and I kept getting further and further out of the will of God. Are y'all okay? But I, I, I'm like, come on, God. You sent me here. I'm right. You know, it don't matter. You're attacking my family. Well, they're, they're bad. <laughs> they're mean. <laughs> he said, you're not wrestling flesh and blood. I had to start learning to go in prayer and go, Hey, devil, shut up and get off of so-and-so in the name of Jesus. Cast the care on God, love the person, hate the devil, and get up and obey God. Y'all out there, you go home. Come on, come on. All right. Here's another one of my favorite. I got a, I got a few minutes left. Did that help you a little bit? Now, now, let me finish reading this in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, I more gladly boast in my weaknesses. So the power of God will rest on me. And I take pleasure in infirmities, in weakness, reproach, needs, persecution, distress. In other words, it doesn't bother me because whenever I, Paul, am weak, 
Jesus in me is big and he always puts me over. And that's what he's saying. Now go to 2 Samuel and um, eh, I'm going to tell you I'm going to close. That may not be true. 2 Samuel. Now, I preached this the other night at, in, um, at Kevin and Leslie's meeting. So if you are watching it, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Where do you think they got the ability to do what they did? Thank you, Tim, from David. The anointing that came on David came on his men. The same spirit that's on Jesus Christ, and he fought a good fight. That same spirit came on you to fight a good fight. So you and I are the mighty men of Jesus. But you're going to notice they're all warriors. The weapons of your... Oh. What about this scripture? The kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent what? You take it. It ain't just falling on your head, honey. You want it? You take it. The promised land? Take it. Take it. Come on, I'm doing good. All right, Joseph, I think I'd preach this in, in here. Josheb Bathesheb, the Taconite. That sounds like something sitting on the dash of a car. <laughs> Chief among the captains, he was called Adono the Esnite because he killed 800 men at one time. Do you think the Bible's lying? I couldn't kill 800 pigs tied up to a tree. Not even fighting with a sword. I could with a gun. You imagine this is a bad mama jamba right here. And they're fighting him. He went to battle and killed 800 men by himself. Now all the movies we watch on TV is because man knows that we should be living like this. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. Of the, that's funny. That three mighty men of David when they did. How, listen, I may, God may give you the name Dodo Aho Height one day. <laughs> You're going to put a new rock in heaven and your name's going to be Adio Dodo the Aho Height. If you keep laughing at me, I'm going to then request it. <laughs> Who were gathered for battle and the men of Israel retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. What is your sword? Well, it's more than that. What really is the sword? It's the word of God in your mouth, isn't it? Have you, ever, have you ever welded it all day so much that it literally felt like you were walking around with it stuck to you? Yeah, I have. I fought some fights. Well, I read the word over and over and over out loud. And I mean, when I went to bed that night, man, I had been in a fight that day. All right. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. <laughs> By itself, I see. I'm <laughs> being a smart aleck. And the people returned only to plunder. Aren't they wonderful? After him was shame of the son of Ag- Agi, the Herite. 
This is my favorite. The Philistine had gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils. Now, what's lentils? They're his. That's his. It's just beans. Well, let me tell you something. When something's yours, you, there, there needs to be a day when you just get mad. I ain't talking about it at your family. I'm talking about you just get mad. You say, you know what? You have messed with me enough, and I'm not giving you another inch. And you're not going to keep pushing me around and I'm not moving. I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to get on the word of God and you're going to back down devil. Do you understand me? And that's what he's talking about. There, there just has to enter your soul a fight. I'm not going under. I'm not living like this. I'm not living like this. Do y'all see? That is faith. Faith will produce in you a fight. Yes. Now, I'm going to tell on Lisa. The time that she was in the bed with, what, what was it, honey? The um, adrenal fatigue. And, and it, <laughs> I say this because you know, I got a good little wife, but she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And just really sweet and loving Jesus. And, and she didn't really make a lot of headway. And I remember one day I came home and, she was in there in the bed, and she was mad, but not at me, not at God. And I walked in the room, and she grabbed me by the cuff of my shirt. And she pulled me up into her face. And she said, I'm not living like this. I said, well, today is probably the first day of your victory. That was the day she turned. Are y'all okay? Are you getting this? You're getting, there's a spirit. And I'm not talking about running around mad at people. I'm not talking about running around mad all the time. I'm in a fight. And you look sad all the time. You're not in a fight. Do y'all get that? Do you understand that? You, you've, got to, you've got to decide where you're going and what you're doing with your life, and I'm not moving. When you get that way, they're not a devil. Hell, stop you. He stationed himself in the middle of the field, and he defended it. How many people do you think attacked him? Probably a lot. And he lived, didn't he? And you will too. Let me quote a few scriptures to you. I'm not going to make you go through this. John 16, In the world, you will suffer tribulation. Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of God suffers violence. The violent take it by force. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. He always causes us to triumph. Um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. And we'll close with this. Does this help you all even a little bit? Revelation. This is prayer armor, guys. This is prayer. 2-7. Just let me read them to you. Jesus talking to the church. He said, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Apparently, he's talk, not talking about the overcoming you did in Christ. He's talking about you overcoming the circumstances that are coming at you. Right? Okay, now, 2.17. He who has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. 
second church, he said, to you, to him in your church that overcomes. That means there's people sitting in church that are not overcoming. They're born again Christians. They're not overcoming. And he's saying, you need to get up and do something about this. Three, five, chapter three, verse five. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I'll not blot his name from the book of life. We don't want to hear that. I'll confess his name before my father. He says to him who overcomes. Three, twelve. To him who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Three, twenty-one. To him who overcomes, I'll grant to sit with me on the throne as I overcame and sat down. He's talking about people who are already born again, but he's talking about whether they're overcoming or not. There's, there, there's something we're supposed to be doing. And that's, let's, let's, come, let's bring it back to prayer now. Your prayer time is not a, a, and it is sometimes, there's times it's a consecration prayer where you're praying nice and quiet and loving, and you should. And, there, and we've talked about this in this church before. And there's a time when you're speaking the word. And then there's a time, you're, there's a time that you're praying overcoming prayers. Epaphroditus, one of you, who wrestles fervently for you in prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's, there seems to be a, a wrestling at times with you and darkness where he's trying to do something in your life. I was talking to Mary Fran the other day. I said, Mary Fran, I've been, I've been praying about something and praying about it and praying about it and, and I just can't see it. It's just, it's just there and I'm just praying about it. And she said, well, it seems like the Holy Spirit has already got you on it. Do I always know? I don't. I don't always know what I'm praying about. But there's times when things, when, when it's not all hallelujah. There's times when I go home and go, I just got to go pray. And I may spend hours in prayer. And I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just telling you, I know that something's got to change and it's going to happen in the spirit realm. Now, if I, I don't do that all the time. I walk around and sat all the time. There's things in this church we need to pray them through. There's people in your life. You've got to start praying for them. They, they've got problems and they need prayer. And I'm not talking about the prayer of faith where you say, oh, God bless Joe. I'm talking about they're not walking with God and you're going to get on that and stay on it. And God will lay that on your heart. Don't call me and say, Pastor, I really have a struggle with my, you know, grandson. Please pray. No, he's your grandson. You pray. Are you all out there? Did you go home? You don't need to call me and tell me what's going on with your grandson. You pray it out. You don't need a hundred people. You don't need to call ORU. You pray it out. The greater one's in you. And the Lord laid it on you. But there are things you're not going to get the victory if you're not willing to get in a fight. And there's things you'll never do in God until you're ready to get in a fight. Now, that doesn't sound like a happy sermon, does it? Went to church tonight and found out we're in a fight. But you are. Now, I didn't say there's an old group of people called fighting fundies and there are a bunch of people they fight with everybody. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about people fighting with everybody they meet over the gospel. 
I'm talking about people who have a, a spirit about them that they're ready at the moment's moment to deal with what's happening in the spirit realm in prayer. Do y'all get that? Okay. There was years ago, uh, and Brother, Brother Hagen referred to it, they had a, a, a term for women who prayed a lot called mothers of Israel. Now, that can be misused to where women are always in a battle, and, and that's not right. But there are people who do a lot more praying than other people. And they go to church and they pray over that church and they, and they do a lot of praying and they see things. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know there's people out there thinking, I got to pull the devil down. No, you don't. He's defeated. But there is a realm of intercession. There is a type of praying where we need to get engaged because the church and the nation needs it. Do you all see that? Okay. And it's not the prayer of faith. God bless the governor in the name of Jesus. That's not, no, that's not cutting it. You're going to sit down and go, well, let's pray over him, Father God. Let's pray over this election. Let's pray over this stuff. Stuff's not happening in our city, in our nation. Not allowing this. And it'll, it'll be on your heart. And, you, and, you, and can I go over? When my sister had died, really wished I could sit down with you one day and teach you true intercession. But it is, and, and I know your what ladies are going to look at me and say, you don't know. It is like having a baby. When you're in real intercession, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit on you. You will, you will groan and pray and then it'll lighten up. And you'll groan and you'll pray and you'll, you'll lighten up. Because you can't do that. You can't get that intense. And you may pray that way 30 minutes. You may pray that way for an hour or two. And you'll, hit, you'll get a breakthrough. That's not the prayer of faith. That's, a, that's another kind of prayer. That's intercessory prayer. When Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb, he groaned in the spirit. And I've had times when I'm in prayer and, and it stops me in tongues. And the only thing coming up is, and, and, and I just stay away from people when I'm praying like that because they go, what are you doing, Pastor? That sounds crazy. <laughs> when Zion travails, she brings forth children. Boy. All right. Everybody breathe now. Are you all ready? Say, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I am an overcomer. I will overcome. I am not afraid of a fight because God is in me. And I know there's going to be a fight. Okay, God bless all of y'all. Y'all have a wonderful night. Thank you for coming to church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.